our church, uh, the men who help to just direct us, to shepherd us as a church. Uh, these are men who I get to the joy of, of serving alongside that um, being a pastor of a church can be very hard and lonely, and I have the blessing of having men to do that alongside of, and so that loneliness is, is very much minimized uh, due to the friendship and the just joy I have of serving alongside those men. So um, Carl and Dave and Wayne, thank you for everything that you do in the multiple different ways that you serve in this church, um, behind the scenes, teaching, uh, and just encouraging and leading our flock. So thank you very much. If there is a, a way you want to serve and encourage our elders, our elders, yeah, you can clap for them. They're awesome. Yes. Amen and amen. If you want to serve and care for the elders of this church, uh, pretty much every other Thursday, but you can just do it every Thursday at 8.30 in the morning. We get together uh, for our elders meetings where we get together and pray and um, just meet to talk about business, talk about the, just where the church is going. So 8.30 on Thursdays, if you can just set a reminder for yourself and pray for the elders of this church for wisdom, for discernment, for unity, uh, that would be a huge blessing to uh, us and to this church as a whole. So thank you again. Uh, for elders for everything that you do. So this morning we're going to continue in our Proverbs series. Um, we've been doing this for the last few weeks. So uh, it's looking at the book of wisdom, which is uh, the book of Proverbs. Wisdom means skill in living. And I know I set this up a couple weeks ago if you were here when we first started this series as uh, we're going to be looking at a variety of different topics and bouncing around. And so far, if you've been here for the last three weeks, we've just been marching straight through Proverbs. Uh, that will change starting next week, I promise. But we needed to get through these first three chapters uh, because it really gives the heart and the mindset behind this book, which is really, um, and what we're going to look at today is really our theme of uh, this book tied into the theme for this morning's message, when, because I don't know if you're like this, but for me, uh, at different points in my life, uh, especially when I was a subordinate to someone, if I had a job, if I was uh, in school, whatever, if someone gave me a task and I didn't know why I was doing it, I tended to not do it or do it well. Um, I always functioned better when I knew the reason why. I always knew, but even if it was a task I didn't like or didn't want to do, if I had the why, it helped me to respond better. It helped me to focus and do the job better. And so really the first three chapters of Proverbs are setting up the why for the rest of the book. Chapter one was the introduction. It talked about who, who Solomon was writing to, the goal of this writing, and gives us the theme for the whole book, right? We've said chapter one, verse seven, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. And it really, chapter 1, revealed the desire behind the writing of the rest of Proverbs. Chapter 2, last week we show, we looked at the value of wisdom, how it is more valuable than gold and silver, that with wisdom comes an understanding and knowledge and of righteousness, a knowledge of justice and a way to avoid temptation and evil. And so this morning in, chap, in uh, chapter 3, in today's passage, Solomon lays out for us pretty clearly if you want to live an abundant life, if you want to live a peace-filled life, it's there for the taking. Even though in today's culture, that's going to get pushed against. Today's culture pushes against and tries to drown out the voice of wisdom, which can make it hard to pursue wisdom when we have noise coming at us from every different direction. If we will listen and follow, what Solomon will say is, if you will listen and follow these commandments, abundant life is there to be found. And so that's what we're going to talk about this morning. I'm going to pray, and then we will jump into Proverbs 3. So please bow your heads and pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. God, you are good. You are holy. You are just. You are perfect. There is no one and nothing like you. God, when we gather on Sundays, it is a, it is a mini 
Easter. It is a celebration every time we come here to celebrate that the tomb was empty on that Sunday morning, that Christ lives, that he could not be held down because he is all-powerful. He has more power than sin, death, hell, and the grave. And Lord, we thank you for the hope and the new life that you offer to those who will confess and believe and put their faith in Christ. Lord, as we open up the book of Proverbs, Lord, we seek wisdom. We seek knowledge and understanding. And Lord, you've told us that if we seek, we will find. And so God, as we open this book this morning, as I preach, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be focused on you and seek after your wisdom. And we pray all of these things because of Jesus and in his name. Amen. All right, so Proverbs chapter 3. If you are using the Seatback Bible, you should be looking for a page if you haven't found it yet. Page uh, 528. Sorry, I didn't give you that before. So Proverbs chapter 3, first couple of verses. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace, they will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Let's stop there. It starts off verse, uh, verse 1 in the same way chapter 2 started. He says, my son. He's writing to his son to guide and to challenge and to help him grow in wisdom, which as an aside, parents, what are you doing to help your children grow in wisdom? Because it is your responsibility to directly lead your kids. Yes, there is value in the caught, not taught method. Amen. But if you're just hoping that everything that you want to pass down to your kids is just going to be caught, not taught, and you're not actually doing intentional teaching, intentional growth towards wisdom, you are doing a disservice to your children, okay? It would be like a teacher in school trying to teach science, trying to teach math with no instruction, just doing math lessons, just doing math equations on the board with no instruction, right? Someone might pick that up, but you have to actually walk through the steps. And so parents, in the same way Solomon here is writing, my son, it's writing to his, he wants to develop wisdom and maturity in his son. Parents, that is our responsibility to do that, to be intentional with our kids, um, and so we see right here in the beginning, there's this familial relationship, this care and concern for the person being written to. And again, this is God's word. He is writing this. He is writing this to us, and he deeply cares and wants us to be wise and wants us to live full and abundant lives. And so we're going to see throughout the passage that we're going to look at this morning, the first couple of verses, the, the way the instruction is given in these first two verses is really throughout this whole passage. There is instruction and there is incentive. So we see in verse 1, instruction. In verse 2, incentive. In verse 3, instruction. In verse 4, incentive. See, when God gives us instruction on how to live, He doesn't say, do it because I said so. It's follow for a reason. Follow for a purpose. Even if you go all the way back to Genesis, in early Genesis, and the Lord God commanded the man saying, you may surely eat of the tree of the garden, of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in that day... If you eat of it, you shall surely die. So we get the instruction, eat of every tree, don't eat of this one tree. And the incentive is, if you don't eat of this one tree, you won't die. Right? So instruction, incentive. That's a pretty good incentive, not dying. So don't forget is what he's saying here in Proverbs. He says, don't lose focus. That word keep in verse 1, my son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. It's keep watch. It's be alert, be on guard, like a watchman at his post. Make sure that you are alert. Make sure you are scanning. Make sure you are paying attention, keeping a watchful eye in what you are believing. What is your heart focusing on? What are you following? What is the truth that you are believing? Keep watch over these things because there are two ways to go over and over we see in the book of Proverbs. Foolishness which leads to death and wisdom which leads to life. 
And so the question we ask ourselves in these first four verses is, where do you find peace? What is it that you are counting on? The word is shalom when it says, for length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. That's shalom. It's not just the absence of war. Yes, it includes that, but it is having a positive relationship. It's safety. It's completeness. It's a state of favorable circumstances. So where do you find shalom? Where do you find peace? The obvious church answer is Jesus. And yes, that's true. But is it really true for you? Ask yourself, what's the situation? What's the circumstance in which you will be complete? In which you will be at peace? In which you will arrive? Is your thought, if I just get that promotion, then I'll be set. If I can make just a little bit more money. If that person would just love me back the way I love them. Or maybe you're on the opposite side. Maybe you think, you know what, because of my money, because of my status, because of who I am, because of my family, my job, my reputation, I'm good. Things are good. I don't need anything else. See, if you are seeking or trusting in anything and anyone other than Jesus Christ for your peace, you will be let down. Because you've made an idol of these things. There is no peace. There is no shalom to be had. No rest for you because there's always more money to make. Always another job to get. That person that you have put so much faith in that if you would just, they would just care for me the way I care for them, then everything will be great. That person will eventually break your heart. Your kids will eventually break your heart. Everyone will fail you because we are sinful, flawed people. There is one long-lasting, tried and true source of peace, and that's Jesus Christ. And if we seek peace in Christ, we will be able to follow the instruction that we see in verse 3. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. These things are to be a mark of a follower of God. Do not let these things forsake us. Leave us. Steadfast love. We looked at that word last week. That word is hesed. Loyal love. And faithfulness. Faithfulness is truth. These again are tied to wisdom and morality being connected. And where are these things found? They're found in the Word of God. This idea of writing these things on the tablet of your heart, binding them around your neck, it's, it's a reference back to Deuteronomy 6. In Deuteronomy 6, starting in verse 4, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. This is probably at the time of Proverbs and even at the time of Deuteronomy was more, it was more written as vivid imagery than actual instruction. But this idea actually, the, the, the thought is keep this close. Keep God's word. Keep God's law close. It should be regular conversation. It should be with you all the time as you come in and out of the house, as you sit, as you talk, as you hang out. God's word, God's instruction, God's law, that should be a regular part of your life. And over time, there became this literal interpretation of this. And so something called phylacteries were born. Can you unmute? Thank you. Look at Larry. Good job. Um, all right. So phylacteries would be worn. 
And what a phylactery is, it was this leather box, and it would be wrapped on your wrist or wrapped on your head. And inside that leather box would be a piece of parchment that had usually Deuteronomy 6.4 written on it. Jesus actually talks about these in Matthew 23. He's scolding the Pharisees and says their phylacteries are wide. They would make them, instead of little boxes, they would make these big giant things to wear on their heads and wear with these leather wraps all over their arms so that people would notice them as they walked by. The same was done at home. It was called the mezuzah, uh, which was this basically a cane or a reed you would write Deuteronomy 6.4 on and put it on your doorpost. And so this literal interpretation of this idea became a regular practice for the Jewish people. But again, the heart behind it is to focus on and dwell on and constantly be in remembrance of the Word of God. And if you need to do that tangibly, okay, do that. Write it on the wall. Write it on the mirror. Some of you have it tattooed on you. Awesome. If you need those regular reminders, use them. But the heart, the instruction is really, don't walk away from what you know to be truth. Don't walk away from what you know to be truth. The incentive is, you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Good success. It's also good sense, good understanding. When we are a people who hold tightly to loyal love and truth, when that is what we are acting from, we will have a right and good relationship with others. There will be a peace in our relationships. When it is God who we are pursuing, shalom is what we will be found. Peace with God. We find that in and through Christ. No longer rebels, but now sons and daughters, which is not just the absence of war, right? But it is a pure, positive, good relationship. When we are not just avoiding war with God, but now we are sons and daughters. We are no longer rebels and enemies. We are His sons and daughters in a positive, good, encouraging relationship. That is how we find peace. We will find peace with God when we are pursuing His truth, when we are pursuing wisdom, right? That's this whole book, 1-7. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of understanding, is the beginning of knowledge. So when we find our peace in Christ, we will have peace with God, but we'll also have peace with others, peace and favor with those around us. We've said it over and over this year. When you are saved, when you become a Christian, when you've put your faith in Jesus Christ, yes, you are saved from hell, but you are also saved to be a blessing to others. And the only way you can do that is to have peace with others. That happens when we keep God and His teachings in our mind at the forefront. And so we have this idea of instruction and incentive over and over again. We see it in the first four verses, and it continues in the, se- in the next four verses. So let's pick it up in verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Verses 5 and 6, those are, uh, those are coffee cup verses. Those are the kind of verses that end up on coffee cups and t-shirts and posters. Maybe some of the most famous verses in the Bible. It's probably up in that top 10 category and definitely in Proverbs. And it's pretty clear, right? I mean, that's a great part of why I like studying the book of Proverbs. I was just talking with Daniel about this last night. Proverbs is written for everyone. We saw that a couple weeks ago in chapter 1, that it's written for the wise and the simple. And no matter where you are in that category, there's not like a special tract. If you are wise, read this section. If you are simple, read this section. No, the whole book is for all people. And so it is written for everyone, the wise and the simple, the young and the old. And it's readable. It's right there pretty clear. If we will trust in the Lord with all your heart, not just some, not just part, not just kind of, not just when it's easy, 
Not when it's convenient, but with all of your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. If you will trust him in all of your ways and acknowledge him, he will make straight your path. It's laid out pretty clear. But it's our execution that has us coming up short time and time again. See, to trust, to trust in the Lord means to be laid out face down in a state of vulnerability. Completely at the mercy of another human being. That's what this word trust implies. And to lean, on the, to lean on God's understanding, not on our own understanding, is not just lean back. It's not just incline. It's to put your full support, your full weight into something. To lean with all of your weight onto something and trust that that's going to hold you up. See, what happens is people will live and pray in a way that arranges a way out for God just in case he fails. We think, okay, well, well, we'll pray this way, but in actuality, God, I'll pray this, but if you don't do it, then I have this backup plan. I've got a plan B. But real faith knows only one way, and it will gladly allow itself to be stripped of any second way, any makeshift situation. Because for true faith, it is either God or it's total collapse. That's what Solomon is writing here. And never once... Since man has been on earth, has God ever failed a single human being who has trusted, them, trusted him completely? It's a clear and full and total dependence on God. And that's the glitch, isn't it? See, our own desire, our own self-inflicted need to be the most important, to be our own savior, to handle everything ourselves, this idea that I'm an independent person who can get by on my own. And if I need help, then that means I'm weak. That means I'm not smart enough, I'm not strong enough, I'm not able enough on my own. We rail against that notion. We push back against that. And we bring that same idea to God. Which is mind-boggling when you think about it. Because, especially for Christians, if you are truly saved, if you have put your faith in Jesus, then at some point, you did trust completely. At some point, you threw yourself down in total vulnerability and you decided that... You are going to lean solely and wholly on the perfect righteousness of Jesus in his life, death, burial, and resurrection for the forgiveness of your sins, for new life and new identity. You knew at that moment you couldn't do it on your own, that you needed help, that you needed a Savior. That happened at some point if you are a Christian. Whether it was hearing and being convicted by the word or you just got to that lowest point of brokenness and you knew you needed help. Whatever the case might be, you had this moment of trust and leaning. But then my guess is, life happened. Life started to happen and started to bash up against scripture. It started to bash up against what scripture has to say about being a man or a woman. How to treat purity, how to be a husband, how to be a wife, how to love your neighbor, how to treat the poor, how to treat the refugee or the immigrant, how to work at your job with that horrible boss. And so little by little, you start making decisions and choices and concessions, deciding your own way. Deciding to make compromises here and there to go along with culture. To not make waves, to just get by. Choosing other things as the priority over gathering with fellow believers at church or even making a habit of scripture. Not praying and seeking counsel and wisdom when making decisions and giving and making excuses as to why that TV show, that movie that's got that hard R or that mature rating that everyone else is seeing, it's okay, I can see it anyway. Usually it's, yeah, but... And some of you are hearing this and saying, yeah, but, Pastor Tim, you don't know my situation. If you're starting a comeback with, yeah, but, you're in the wrong on this one. 
You have already made concessions. You have already walked away from what Solomon is saying here. And the amazing thing is that then we're shocked when our path is not straight. When we are led astray, when we find ourselves surrounded by chaos and confusion, these verses aren't just talking about the big situations, the big decisions. We're told simply and clearly, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge Him, and if you do that, He will make your path straight. In all of your ways, with all of your heart. The Hebrew is real clear there. All. All. <laughs> Everything. There's no second meaning. There's no hidden agenda there. All of who you are. All of your ways. Now you might be here this morning and if that's you and you realize you've made some concessions, you've made some excuses, there's grace to be had. There's always more grace to be had in Christ. You can't out-sin God's grace. There's always more forgiveness. There's always more of Him to be had. But we see again this instruction and incentive. And again, he repeats himself, basically saying the same thing in verses 7 and 8. In 7 and 8, he says, Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Wise in your own eyes. The world wants to call that being self-assured, being self-confident. The Bible calls it arrogant, self-centeredness, and foolish. Proverbs 26 says, Do you see a man who is wise in his own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for him. See, instead of thinking that you are already the wisest, you already have it all together, and you are good enough, nice enough, smart enough, instead of saying, yeah, but, and giving your excuse as to why you get to do things your way and not God's way, instead of putting yourself up on a pedestal or comparing yourself to someone who in your eyes is a worse person than you, Maybe try comparing yourself to the perfect, holy, righteous judge who holds all things together in his hands. But if you do that, you're going to say, well, if I do that, I'm going to see I'm not maybe as great as I thought I was. Yeah, that's the point. That's the reality of the situation. But if instead of pride and arrogance found in your own fake and vain attempts at what is good, if instead you will gain a fear of the Lord, right? We've talked about this phrase, a healthy and right understanding of who we are in comparison to who God is, which will cause us awe and reverence for God. That can fuel us to turn from evil. Depart and go in the opposite direction of evil. That's what repentance actually is. It's turning in a completely different direction, putting your back to whatever the situation is and going in the opposite direction. It's turning away and running away from that situation. The wise person, the humble person, will fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Note that you have to actually turn away, though, which means evil is here. See, Christians, we aren't just called to live in a bubble, hiding from the world, hiding from evil, but rather we, when we encounter it, not if, but when we encounter it, we find ourselves in it, we turn away from it. So again, we see verse 7, instruction. Verse 8, incentive. Be not wise in your own eyes. Have the fear of the Lord. Turn away from evil. Instruction, incentive. It will be healing for your flesh and refreshment to your bones. You are not just a body. You are not just a mind. You are not just a spirit. You are all of these things. And while your mind and your body will one day fail and need to be renewed, your spirit is eternal. But these things are all connected. See, sin has consequences. It takes its toll on us in multiple ways, sometimes physical. 
Even think about when you know that you have to have a hard conversation with somebody. Maybe you have to confess something to them. You have to apologize for something. And you know you're in the wrong. And you put off that conversation. You put off that conversation. And the longer you put off that conversation, the more you let that fester, you start to get physically ill. You start to carry your stress in your stomach. You start, your muscles start to get tighter. You start to get physically ill because you are not just skin and bones. We are more than that. He says, fear the Lord, turn from evil, and there is physical refreshment and healing waiting. When you finally do get that burden off of your chest, when you finally do confess, when you finally do have that conversation, you feel physically better because you're not stressed, you're not worried, you're not clinging to this thing. These ideas are tied. Morality and physical well-being, these things are tied together. See, this morning's text doesn't have tricky parables. There really isn't a need to have to consider historical setting or how this is going to be received at the time. This is pretty clear instruction from God. This is God speaking to us this morning. Right here, right now, your creator is talking to you. He knew that you'd be here. He knew you would hear this sermon this morning. And I said it a few weeks ago, Proverbs touches on a lot of different topics, but not everything under the sun. But what we do see is a pursuit of general wisdom that we can apply in specific situations. Because if we remember God's teachings, if we keep his commandments, we don't ignore the chance to show steadfast love and be faithful with others. If we can be humble and not proud, if we can trust in the Lord, if we are doing that, even when the specific issues or problems or situations that the Bible maybe doesn't tackle come up, we will have this wisdom ready to attack those things. This is a text that if we allow it into our hearts, if we truly embrace it, it's going to stretch us. I hate stretching. Hate it. I avoid it. Even though I know it's good for me, I tend to put it off until something in my body goes wrong, and then I stretch. Because even though stretching is good for me, the process of it is uncomfortable. For some of you here this morning, I pray God spoke to you this morning in this text. And somewhere God pointed and said, hey, that's for you. You need to grow here. You need to trust me here. You need to be more humble. You need to turn from evil. And the great thing and the hard thing about this book is that it's really clear. There are two ways to go about this life. The way of the fool, which leads to hardship and death, or the way of the wise, which leads to life. God wants to stretch you. Because stretching is good for us. And God wants what is good for you. He, and he doesn't even want just what's good for you. He wants what's best for you. Life and life abundant is what Jesus said he came to give. And I know that's easier said than done. Sometimes you might say, you know what, I'm really in it. I've really messed up and there's a lot of decisions I'm going to have to change. You start with one. You work on one. You work on, I'm going to pursue God today. I'm going to trust God today. I'm going to lean on him today. Today. Don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about next week. You worry about today. And when tomorrow comes, you do the same thing. You focus on one at a time. It is moment-by-moment decisions. What are your priorities? Is your relationship with God a priority or just something that gets fit into the schedule when it can? What decisions, what choices need to be repented of, turned away from, and left alone? God wants what is best for you. He is trustworthy. He is faithful. And He loves you. So he gives us instructions like this so that we might pursue life and life abundant. My sons and daughters, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. 
For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart so you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for this opportunity to gather together to worship you. God, we thank you for texts like this that, God, they're hard and they convict us and they challenge us and they make us think and they make us think about the way we live. Um, And God, that's you. That's you being the dad that you are loving and caring for us. God, you call us to trust you. You call us to follow you and God, we want to have hearts that do that. I want to have a heart that does that. I want to long after you. I want to not choose my own way. Because I'm tired of falling into messes because I'm trying to do my own thing. God, help us to be wise. Lord, give us wisdom. Give us wisdom and give us the boldness and the courage and the trust to stand up against culture, to stand up against the world, to stand up against the sins that we have been so easily entangled by. Give us the, the, the courage and the boldness and the strength to be able to fight against those things, to turn and flee those things. God, you promise us, you give us incentive after incentive. You promise us good. You promise us straight paths. You promise you have showed us this is the way to do this life the best way possible. God, give us, give us the smarts to do it, to pursue these things. God, help us to trust you more. You have called us to be lights in this world. Lord, help us to shine brightly. We pray all of these things because of Jesus and in his name. Amen.